Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer. Some people don't like the term, but I think, like many other words, it's all in how you say it. My umbrella business is Boom with a Bang, and I think we should keep that in mind as much as possible. We Boomer women don't have a lot of role models as we traverse this chapter. So the goal of this podcast is to introduce you to guests who might incentivize, encourage, teach you to embrace your wisdom, our wisdom. With this incarnation of the Boomer Woman's Podcast, I'm interviewing people who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at boomwithabang.com. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, message me. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. So let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. When you think of homesteading, you might think of the prairies at the turn of the last century. Bitter cold, sod huts for a home, a skin and bones cow, maybe an old horse. I read a book last year called Women Homesteaders of the Canadian Prairies and was so impressed with their strength and fortitude, although I can't say I was surprised by it. My guest today is a modern-day homesteader. She has a husband and a truck and a home, but her workload is equally impressive. Theseus' story caught my eye because, despite my city-dwelling, easy lifestyle current self, I've never shied away from getting my hands dirty, jury-rigging a one-woman solution to a multi-person chore, or taking on tools that would impress the hell out of my grandfather's. I remember fondly the glee in finally having two drills on my belt to hang a door, and the excited look on my little grandson's face after I'd pulled the old hot tub and rebuilt the deck into what he saw as the best backyard dance floor ever. <laughs> Let me introduce Theseo with this one sentence from her bio. They moved to a 40-acre plot of raw land that was at one time stripped mined for coal. Theseo Ellis, welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. I've been looking at your website and your YouTube videos, and I think you've got a delightful life, although not for a second taking away from the workload, I tell you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I enjoy it. I think this is the happiest I've ever been in my life, honestly. Well, I was going to say that, you know, like, I'm sure homesteading that piece of land has been and continues to be a lot of work. Yeah, But your bio suggests that you're no stranger to hard work. Could you share some of your story, please? Sure. Uh, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> you you name it. It's, uh, this is a conversation. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess when uh, we we inherited, inherited this property 10, 10 years ago, something like that, from uh, my husband's father when he passed. And it's, it, it is a 40-acre plot, but we own the middle 13 and third acres, and then later we were able to acquire the south end. But the north end of the property is still owned by another sister that lives a, a few miles from here. But basically, Tom and I and my granddaughter are the only ones on the property. We spent the, like the first seven and a half years living in a camper with no running water there is there was running water down by the vineyard and in the barn but basically if you wanted to go to the bathroom or take a shower you had to go out to the barn and uh i got tired of doing that so we finally bought a an old trailer house uh 1998 single wide trailer house and i know i keep trying to to train myself to say mobile home but you know what it's a trailer house and uh, we paid 2500 dollars for it so I am now trying, to, not only am I trying to learn how to do animals and learning to garden and trying to take care of a vineyard, but I'm also trying to learn how to remodel now so that we can make it, make it more livable. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate living in a, in a trailer because I actually grew up in a little tiny town that the focus was on military. And so all the civilians basically got to live in trailers. And I grew up in, a, I think, like an eight foot by 27 foot trailer. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I appreciate there's no privacy and all the rest of it. So, uh, but if you've got running water. Yes, I have running water now. I have air conditioning, <laughs> heating. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm living the good life now. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. Yeah, just sorry, you took me back there. And I'm thinking I'm not going to share all that information. But if you've got heat and running water, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know, it took me a long time to get the skirting up because we live on a hill. And the north end of the trailer house, it's like a 44 inch gap. And so when I put the skirting up, it kept blowing down because we're when they say that the wind comes sweeping down the plain, Oklahoma, they are not exaggerating. It gets windy here. And I've had to put that skirting up several times, but I think I finally got it braced enough and set enough that I've got skirting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate skirting because it also keeps uh, some of the rodents and other wildlife out. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. So former strip mine. And now you've got, you know, a a pretty good operation going on there. What did you have to do to the land and all that? To- well, they reclaimed it. You know, it was, uh, if you look around some of the properties near us, there there's still some of them that still the, the strip pits and stuff. But this was part, of, ours was part of the reclamation project. And so they just basically bulldozed it. And and that was a good thing. But we found out when, when we were drilling the holes for the vineyard, we had an auger and every time we went down the ground well not every time but every once in a while we'd come up and there'd be a grease rag wrapped around the auger and and we're and finally somebody told us that where we planted the vineyards where the motor home a motor pool used to be and there's a two or three places our place is considerably less rocky than uh, several of the places around here because they uproot a lot of rocks and everything um, but I've, I've got one spot, there's some pipes heaving up out of the ground and, and stuff like that. But the rocks that we find have really cool fossils in them. So it's, yeah. it, you know, that is, I'm glad it's not so rocky that there's not like a lot, some of the other properties, but it's, there's not much topsoil. That's probably the reason I started bringing in animals to help create topsoil and stuff. But uh, I've learned a lot. That's for sure. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Now, if if your property is like on top of the motor pool area, has anything come back to haunt you? I mean, it's one thing to to pull up a, a rag on an auger, but has there been any leaching into the soil and nothing's affected your animals then, has it? I don't think nothing's affected our animals. I am wondering, I haven't gotten it tested, but I have had a couple of times where I've had some health issues but I and now sometimes I wonder if it was the soil, but but, mo, but it's actually probably both of them have come back to tick bites of various sorts, oh. and so I've had some tick bite illnesses off and on, but but I don't I don't believe so. I think that when they only where the mo, the vineyard is is where the motor pool was, but then we're we're on top of the hill, and I don't there wasn't any motor pool up there. I don't know if I should be apologizing here. I was worried about the animals, not you. <laughs> No, the animals seem to do pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And you seem to have quite a collection. I mean, there's chickens, there's geese, pigs. I don't have any geese, but I do have chickens and ducks. Oh, okay. There was something that looked like geese on one of your videos. And I just started with Idaho pasture pigs, and I had a litter here a couple of weeks ago. And, oh, man, I've had a rough morning. It's I I had and took one of my piglets to down to the high school where my granddaughter goes to school, and he castrated this piglet for me. And it, and that's the first time I've ever been a part of that. And it's like, oh, and you know, these piglets are cute. So you're going, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so is that part of a class? Yeah, he's he does agriculture class, and he told me that. Oh, yeah, when you when you go to get castrated, let me let me know, bring them on down, and I'll castrate them for you. And, and he did. He called everybody out of the class. And we're on the back of my car this morning, and one one of the boys is holding the piglet by his hi, his hind legs, and and they did the castration right outside in front of the whole class. Oh my goodness! Now, what yeah, was, it was general right? reaction? I mean, I'm going to give myself away here as a city dwelling. You know, I, I, every teenager that I've ever known, teenage girl especially, has become vegetarian and animal rights and all that sort of stuff for at least part of her teenage years. Was any were any of the kids sort of upset about ah going on or is it no, pretty much i think a, just it was the boys because it was a castration area I was, uh, uh, <laughs> the looks on the boys faces this morning i laughed i said oh boy <laughs> and i did video it. i'm not gonna put it on youtube because it was you know an underage kids and yeah. and blood and <laughs> but i did take a video of it and i hope i got i hope i got some some of the looks from the boys because they're going oh no they're doing that you know <laughs> Well, if any of them become vets, it's the kind of video that you can send them and say, well, haven't things changed? <laughs> yeah, well, and a couple of boys, apparently this was old hat 
for them because he had got them, hey, I need you to come here and hold this or I need you to do this, you know. So I I was pre trying to prepare myself to actually participate, but I'm glad I didn't have to, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you, you live in Oklahoma. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I live in the city, you know, and, and I have for the last number of years. But I just recently heard about a school that was teaching trades instead of sort of university college entrance tracks it are more nature farm based schooling is that is that pretty common in Oklahoma or near where you are yeah we have uh, what would they call votech votech is vocational technical okay. right. and uh, in fact my granddaughter just signed up she's going to be a junior next year we i don't know if i i don't know if you know this but we got custody of my granddaughter when she was 11 and she's 16 now and uh let's see the um uh, one of her best friends has signed up and it's kind of cool because she's doing she has signed up for graphic arts and and uh video production and stuff like that where kenzie signed up for culinary arts but you can you one of the girls at the school she's doing diesel mechanic work and and so there's a whole area there's a whole bunch of areas that you can choose indoor and outdoor you know technical physical whatever uh that they actually have they go to school for half a day doing whatever it is they choose to do for that semester yeah yeah and i'm so glad that's becoming the norm now because certainly you know i'm almost 70 and when i was in high school if you chose the vocational it means you weren't smart enough Whereas yeah. nowadays, I think we understand that, boy, the trades and a, a lot of those hands-on jobs take knowledge and skills that, you know, a lot of people don't have. Yeah, that's what I was telling Kinsey, that whenever I was going out of school, I said the only people who went to Votech were the ones that were not smart enough to go to college. But good Lord, who can afford to go to college now, you know? I mean, if you have a specific thing you want to go to college for, I think you should. But if you're just going to go for just just to get a degree so that you say you got one, that's a lot of money to spend, you know? Guilty as charged. Yeah, yeah. Parental, parental expectation. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we did. So, So chickens, pigs... Did I see bees somewhere? You or your husband? We used to bees? have bees. My husband used to have uh, bees, and he actually worked up to about 85 hives. And wow. uh, so some of our early stuff did have a lot of bee videos on it, and that was really fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, and he, he did semi-commercial, too. If you, you know how they send bees like to different places to uh, pollinate their crops. There was a, Our group of beekeepers would actually, I think at that time, he only had like 20 he could send. And you could put them on the, a truck will hold, I think, 300 hives. So several of the beekeepers in our area would load a, a truck or two or whatever and take them out to California to pollinate the almond groves. And uh, then they would be sent to central Texas. Well, not central, but into Texas after that, because I think the pollination in California is like February. Well, and it's only like a two or three week period. Well, there's not enough uh, forage in Oklahoma, yeah, it's till too early in the year. So they send them to Texas and that's where they split the hives and the bees have plenty of uh, uh, forage and stuff. So we could send 20 hives there and end up coming back with as many as 60 uh, after they left Texas. And so that was a good way to expand your hives as long as you had the boxes and stuff and the equipment to deal with them, put them in. And uh, so that was fascinating. I, I enjoyed videoing them. The only thing is when you got stuff for the South, they did uh, have some Africanized uh, genes in them. So some of the hives would come back what they call hot and they would, those by that if you got too close to hive, they would, uh, they would want to sting. They did, they buzz you real hard, but the ones that were pretty mellow, I could get within 10 or 15 feet and, and video Tom in a hive and I wouldn't even have to wear gear, but it was kind of cool. If I got too close and they were getting too aggravated, they would actually bounce off my forehead and say, you're too close. <laughs> and I'd back up and I'd be okay as long as I backed up. Wow. So great entrance into my next question is like, how much of this animal work, uh, keeping animals, was a, a learning curve for you? Did you come into this homestead sort of used to taking care of animals or have you learned everything along the way? No. Uh, I mean, I've never been a true city slicker. I was born in Tulsa, but I moved to, my first husband was Army. So we moved to Alaska. I was in the Fairbanks area when I first uh, grew up and got married, moved to Texas and moved to California. But I hated California, really, really cool place to visit, but I didn't like living. I didn't like that many people. 
you know, and I was allergic to smog and stuff like that. So I was really glad to be back in Northeast Oklahoma. But even though in Oklahoma, I usually lived in town somewhere. So this is my first time, you know, in the last 10 years or so that I've actually been out in the country. And and uh, I like it. I have to admit, it was, it was a good way. I spent a couple of years out here just trying to develop everything. My husband has a job and I got to stay home and I got to just heal in a whole lot of ways you know to uh and uh get away from everything and i enjoyed that first couple of years but then it was kind of nice to get to meet people and do things again and stuff but i did need a couple of years to just kind of be by myself and work the land well it's interesting how many people are well my age i'm a bit older than you i talk to who say as bad as everything was during COVID, they really appreciated the downtime and the fact that, you know, they didn't have to be super social and they, there weren't people everywhere. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I'm sure people in general, but as we get older, it's really nice to know who your friends are and not have to put on that social smile and <laughs> pretend. Yeah. I have found a really nice church group uh, out here. I love going to the church, but I am not a, they put up with a lot out of me. I'm <laughs> And they love, they have loved me through a lot and I'm really grateful for them, but they're Baptists. And so they don't like to, they don't dance and stuff. And I love to dance before the Lord. And I'm, you know, I, I dance all over the place out here. I sing, you know, I'm weird. And I, and I am a passionate person where these guys are more stoic. And I'm going, I don't know why God put me in this church where everybody just goes, okay, praise the Lord. And I'm going, no, get out here. We're going to do this. You know, I'm, I'm much more passionate than them, but they put up with me. I'm grateful. <laughs> Well, you're the perfect role model for what they don't want to be doing. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <they> <laughs> Good <be>. reminder. <laughs> this is what <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, you mentioned putting the skirting on the trailer and how the wind <laughs> kept on blowing. I've read some of your blog posts and things like that. Hurricanes, rain, wind. It sounds like, you know, that the weather is as big a challenge as a lot of the other things you've faced. It can be. Um, I mean, spring and fall here are just gorgeous. Spring can be more volatile because we do have the tornadoes and stuff more often then, but fall is just wonderful. But yeah, the summers get hot. The winters can get really cold. They usually only get down into the teens every year, but one year we got down to 30 below for a day. And that, and we were living in the camper at that time. It's like, whoa, that's too cold. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I was going to say you never know what weather you're going to wake up to, and that is kind of true, but it, it it varies a lot for sure from one day to the next. I've been wearing shorts all week long, and then today the high is 70 degrees, and it's been misty and rainy, and I'm wearing long pants today. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how – I don't know about you. I've, I've got a, an app on my phone that tells me what the weather's supposed to be, and it's like you, you never believe it, never. No, but because I live in Tornado Alley, I've got three different oh. apps on my phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I can yeah. keep track, you know, because I don't want to be outside when it's lightning and stuff either. You never know. Yeah. But yeah. my dogs tell me when it's lightning and thunder because I've got two livestock guardian dogs, great big old white dogs. And first time they hear thunder, they're, they're, they're pounding on the front door. That is him. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting how, I mean, <laughs> I watched your dogs in one of the videos and I thought, my dog would never be that taller and she'd be chasing <laughs> even at her old age she'd be chasing something but yeah with with thunder and fireworks and all that stuff yeah she's in she's clinging to me yeah she's just not happy yep. so <laughs> nice to have them around for a whole bunch of reasons now do you have a garden as well like veggies yeah and stuff? i try to garden i'm not a very good gardener and uh, i think i think it's one of those things that i keep trying but i have a lot of uh, I'm so I'm trying to do things and that must be the hard. I'm allergic to a lot of stuff. I'm allergic to a lot of grasses and stuff. So I'll do more. But I, we like the brassicas, you know, broccoli and, and all that stuff. Well, those are kind of cold weather crops and I haven't I don't grow. Our our temperatures go from cold to quite warm so quickly. It's hard to grow cold weather crops here in any easy shape. I can try again in the fall, I guess. But it's, it's there's very seldom a time where it's an ideal time here in Oklahoma to grow too much too too quickly what i was going to ask you about was you know like in terms of animals and and whatever garden you have is there sort of a a, a cyclical seasonal kind of thing or is it sort of spring comes and everything's happening that's how you how you do it right now i've got a, a batch of meat birds we're going to be loading up tonight and we keep them for eight weeks uh, they're the, like the chickens that you buy at the grocery store with a great big breast and stuff those are called cornish cross 
And uh, because they're one person I follow calls them sea monsters, like sea with a for Cornish cross, because they are eating machines. And if they live too much more after eight weeks, they die of heart attacks and and stuff like that. They're just they're not meant to live. For, in fact, I think I lost one to a heart attack yesterday because they're going to be going to the processor in the morning. But in the, yeah, in the springtime, you have the eggs and the babies and stuff. If you have a bird that's willing to sit on them sometimes, you know, I just hatched. I think about 15 ducklings. I have a customer who's going to pick some of them up. And then I just put another round of uh, duck eggs in the in my uh, incubator. A lot of people, if they do feeder pigs, they buy them in the spring, feed them over the summer, and then they harvest them in the fall. Because you don't, you don't want to have too much going on in the winter if you don't have to. For one thing, if they're young, they don't they don't do well in that cold weather. So a lot of people, it does it expands dramatically in the summertime, and then as the fall comes in, it it starts contracting again and making less less work. So you're not out there doing so much in the in the cold. But yeah, I've got I've got the ducklings and piglets right now that are young. Wow, it, it just made me think of something, and I, I don't, I'm not going to ask you for numbers or anything, but up here. My goodness, the, the price of electricity is absolutely ridiculous. So I'm just thinking like if you had to keep a barn partially heated for smaller animals or something, would that cost you an arm and leg or is it all pretty reasonable? Well, we got, we've got a barn, but it's, it's full of junk right now. I've got my ducklings. I've got them in with a little brooder and it's just a little heat lamp. So actually, I don't have to do too much. Okay. And, and uh, the fences I have around my, all my animals are electric net fencing, but they're solar charged. So that kind of keeps it down too. And uh, so as long, as long as the sun comes out, if you get two or three cloudy days, I've got to go find out where my pigs are. <laughs> I watched you moving the, the whole pig area with the, 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 the pig house and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, it was just like, boy, you two work well, you and Tom work well together. It's, uh, you see, I guess you've done this yeah. a few times over the years. Yeah, I try not to move the bigger <laughs> animals or to, uh, do the bigger moves until he's there with me because it, it is a lot of work to move and they need to move more often than they do because it is more work. But uh, if I can keep them moved, the pigs I have like grass and would rather be on grass. So I need to keep them moved more often. Okay. So going back to what you said earlier, is there a point in time that you will say, gee, the, the, the ground, I guess, is pretty arable now because the animals have, you know, mixed in their, you know, their poop and all the rest of it. What sort of a time frame until you say, gee, let's do more with the land now that we've had animals? You no, know, I haven't done that yet because a lot of it's still compacted a lot. It, okay. It's very it's uh, I think the shale underneath it with like a clay on top. It's very compacted soil. So I'm still working on. It's going to take a lot okay. <laughs> to get it, and 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 I don't have them all. Part of it is I don't have it concentrated for a long time. I move them, so it's just a little bit here and there that's getting some of it. And uh, where my meat birds are right now is way too much poop, even though I move them twice a day. So there's too much uh, nitrogen in that spot, in those spots, and uh, and it kills the grass and everything. <laughs> but it, I mean, it'll recover before I do it again next year. But I don't know. I I need to get more grazing animals, and uh, I'd like to do the what they call the mob grazing, where you like you have the animals that graze and you put them together in one tight spot for that day, and then move them the next, and move them the next day after that, because that way they eat the grass they like, they trample on the stuff they don't like. And by the time they come back to that spot, then it, the and the grass is ready for them again. It's it's been fertilized with their poop and stuff. That's what I'd like to do. But that, yeah, uh, I'm 60 years old. I'm gonna be 61, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how much more work do I want to do? You know. And part of it too is I one of the sicknesses I got was a tick-borne. I had what they called alpha gown. I became allergic wow. to beef, wheat pork and dairy and uh, and I, I need to do beef now for the for the land but because I was trying to be self-sufficient I was that's the reason I have so many birds because I could eat birds I can eat poultry and fish and uh, I just found out recently those food allergies have diminished greatly and I had I had my first bacon cheeseburger for the first time in four <laughs> years and man it was good <laughs> pleasures in life are few <laughs> oh man Oh, that's great. On my local talk radio this morning, they were actually talking about how we are coming back into tick season, you know, and making yep. sure you got the, the elastics around the, the wrists and the ankles and stuff like that, just to make sure they, they can't find skin. But, yeah. Uh, 
yeah this they find me anyway i pull ticks off myself almost every day oh is that (laughs) they don't they they haven't been bit most of the time but yeah yeah, I was in. I went to go get a hamburger a while ago at a restaurant, and I kept feeling something. There's a tick crawling across my forehead. And I'm like, oh, oh man! I was, <laughs> nobody else saw it. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh well, yeah. It's just a, it's a matter though of you know, like, come on, give me a break on this stuff. And uh, there must be some way to, you know, diminish the numbers or something. Because yeah, yeah, keep it mowed better than what I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> just what you need another job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, anybody who knows me is waiting for me to ask the magic question. I heard the word vineyards. Yeah. You have vineyards? Uh-huh. We have we have one vineyard. Well, we had, I think it was 08, I think is when we planted the vineyard. And there was a time in Oklahoma, I guess it was kind of a fad to, to plant vineyards. And we had two or three wineries nearby. So we had to deal with the winery. If we grew the vineyard, we grew the grapes they would buy our grapes and uh, make the wine. And we did have a pretty good setup one year and he could take them. He went out of business. Unfortunately, his place, poor guy, I felt sorry for him. He was at the very end of a rural water district. And so he had just barely trickled water enough to, to get his kids bath. So he couldn't irrigate. Plus he was too close to the railroad and the overspray of the weed spray was hard on his grapevine. So he went out of business. And and honestly, we only get a crop here once every two or three, four years because we right now I'm kind of in the kind of a rainy season. It's nice and rainy and uh, stays wet. And then it might be next week. It'll jump up to 90, 95 degrees with no rain and dry out. And my my grapes will turn into little bit black BBs uh, on on the vine. And I just I won't have a harvest at all. So. Uh, I never know for one year to the next how that is going to happen. If if it transitions more gently, then I end up with a pretty good. Um, I have two kinds. They're both they're both a uh, red French. One of them is Chamberson, and the other one is uh, Rougeon. And uh, those are the two uh, grapes that we have there. So, so I guess the thought that came instantly to mind, but maybe it's the age of the grapes. Is it sounds like you have instant raisins, but. Are they edible? No, they're not raisins. They're they're like little black BBs. They're oh, they're pretty okay. inedible. Yeah, they just they just burn up before they even get big enough to. They're they're still like a BB size before yeah. when they turn black and get hard. Huh. Are there? And I don't mean this in a bad way, but are there a lot of disappointments, or are they just sort of here and there in terms yeah, of sometimes. Yeah, I get discouraged. You do get discouraged because, you know, like I was talking about getting the one little piglet castrated today. Well, I bought the Idaho pasture pig, a breeding trio last year, and one of my girls got pregnant. And uh, just a few weeks ago, she delivered. And I, I then was my first farrowing, first time ever. I go out there and she had already had two stillbirths. Oh, no. And that poor pig stayed in labor for four days. And every morning, I, I mean, I was calling the vet. I was trying to learn how to help deliver these babies and she ended up with nine piglets. Eight of them were stillborn and one of them lived for two days. And that was, I was just, it was just heart wrenching. Like every morning for four days, I was getting going out and picking up dead piglets, you know? Uh, And, um, and then just about three weeks ago, my other one, she farrowed for the first time and she did great. She was, she did the typical four hours, had nine piglets, their darling, and they're growing just as good as they can be. And, but, you know, so that went well, but my boar has gotten crippled on me and I've had the vet out for him. And, and uh, it looks like I'm going to have to put him, his hind legs don't want to work. He, it takes everything he can do to get up. And the, I actually even had to call a chiropractor for animals. <laughs> yeah. I called a chiropractor come out and he goes, Oh Yeah he's got some problems with his spine and he adjusted him and, and everything. I said, well, is it genetic or what is it? He goes, no, he probably fell off the girls and landed on his back wrong and hurt himself. So yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking to think I'm going to have to get him processed because he was my breeder, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, but this is my first year with pigs and it's, it's, it's been a challenge. And we had a thunderstorm. Are you familiar with the John Suskovich style chicken tractor? Have you heard of him? He's up in uh, New Hampshire, I think. Okay, no. But it's a 
it's that's how I can give with my meat birds. I can move them to fresh grass every day. It's just like a little portable little uh, hut thing. And uh, it has lots of airflow and I just move it every day. Well, a windstorm blew through when I, we were at a softball game with my granddaughter come back and it had blown it sideways and had actually killed one of my chickens because it had run over it, you know. So you go, oh, but yeah, there, I mean, there are days you just go, man, I really want to quit. And other days when you when you're surrounded by little piglets that are trying to eat your boots, it's like, this is really <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I must admit, it must take a certain kind of person to sort of you know, suck up the bad bits, I guess, in some ways, and then just really, really appreciate, you know, the the piglets that chew on your shoelaces, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you. What is a prepper? A prepper? Well, I don't, I don't know that I'm a true prepper, but I, I'm not the kind that where they used to have the TV shows on about, you know, oh, we're going to get ready for, you know, a specific thing. I was single for a long time with two boys. And there were times in my life that I had to do without food so that my kids could eat. And of course, they're all grown now and everything. But my husband, my my husband now, he's a very good man, but he is, he's depressed a lot. And I didn't understand that was what was going on with him. And when he first got depressed, we got down to mystery meat in the bottom of the freezer. And I thought, you know what? I've been here. I know what to do. And so I started doing what they call copy canning. If you... If you have need a can of corn, get two cans of corn until you, you know, and, and everything, little thing, just buy two of them, whatever your budget will do and whatever you can do and until you get what you want. And a lot of people, if you, if you think about it, wherever you're located, you know, um, if you're in a cold climate, you keep extra food around anyway. So that if you get iced in, well, we have ice storms here when we might be without power for two weeks or, or something, um, not very often, only very seldom, but but ice storms can take us out probably each year for a couple of days anyway. So I don't do the guns. What is it? Beans, bullets, and band-aids. I don't do that so much necessarily. I do keep a backup of everything. Because if you think about it, when you get into the shower and you use a last year's shampoo and it's between payday <laughs> and you don't have a backup of shampoo. So I do keep a backup of pretty much everything. And I do keep a little bit extra food. And, uh, and, I, and because... I raise my own animals for food. I'll, I'll have food in the freezer that will last me. What well, was kind of when they did the lockdowns, I told, I told my family, I said, all right, it's looking like we're going to lock down. I need you to tell me what will get us through for a month for how, you know, in a case we're not allowed to get out for a month. Of course, they didn't take me seriously. And I had to kind of guess, but, and we were lucky here. We didn't have so much of an issue here anyway but uh but i do try to keep it where at least a month's worth of food and that will feed us and take care of us so i you know i don't know if that's a prepper or not but i think it is because i try to be prepared to do the one thing that we all do every day is eat yeah you know so that that that's my goal but i don't i mean we've got guns tom loves to go hunting every year and he'll go get us a deer or two but i i think i shot a deer one time several years ago I'm not a very good fisherman. <laughs> I'm not a very good gardener, you know, and, and I, if, as far as prepping and stuff goes too, I don't have any of the, you know, bins of wheat and corn and rice and, and stuff that lasts me 25 years. I have designed my life around, I can go out back and I can kill a chicken for us to have for dinner, you know, something that will reproduce itself as much as possible. So I'm I'm trying to work for more of a long term because, you know, I read the Great Depression here in the United States. I've read two different numbers and I haven't researched it, but it lasted 10 to 13 years. You know, your food that you've got stashed back ain't, isn't going to last that long. But if you got meat on on the hoof, you know, yeah, no, for sure. yeah. <laughs> you can make it less. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because up here we have, you know, it could be the great earthquake or the, the following tsunami or something like that. And it's interesting because we always talk about earthquake preparedness and I'm looking through your stuff and I'm going prepper, like what's a prepper? And then finally the light came on. And I thought, well, this is like when my grandson sees my drywall wall saw and says, if the great zombie apocalypse happens, grandma, this will be a good tool. You know, <laughs> this is so <laughs> He doesn't do bullets. He just now, aren't you in... In Western Canada, yeah, is that where you're located? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so earthquakes yeah. uh, are us. <laughs> my 
my first three earthquakes were in in Alaska. Oh, I bet yeah. that I had experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I saw the well, I think I heard you talking to somebody else on a podcast about copy canning, and I, I must have replayed it like three times, going like, "What is copy canning?" You know, because I've canned stuff. But yeah. yeah, this copy canning is such a great idea. And I mean, even nowadays with, I don't know what the price of your groceries are like, the price of our groceries are ridiculous. And, yes. you know, so something goes on sale, don't buy one. <laughs> buy as many as you can afford on that shopping list. And yeah, leave them on the shelf if you need to. Yeah, that's what, yeah, we, I don't know. Um, a lot of us in the circle of people I listen to, uh, we started with Jack Spirko with the Survival Podcast. And he's the one that introduced most of us to the copy canning method. And so he was one of the first ones that it's kind of funny because when I first moved out here, I'm trying to learn all this stuff. And my ex-husband's going, oh, you need to listen to Jack Spearco. And I have, I've been, he's on episode like 3,300 oh or something. And I had, yeah. And I picked him up at like episode 940. So, but our circle gets a lot of stuff off of him. Huh. <laughs> here's an insight into my lifestyle i do that with my coffee inventory <laughs> if my coffee beans come on sale it's just like i don't want anything else i'm gonna buy five yep. of them you know so yep. and i have my little cycle in the cupboard make sure that the new stuff goes in at the back yeah so Yo. yeah <laughs> so on top of all of this you have a blog you have a podcast you have a youtube channel what got you into all this tech stuff? Okay, because my husband has depression and he's had the same job for 30 something years. He's, I've told him, he's only a month older than me. But I said, Tom, I'm only 60. I said, you're at least 70. So he's getting to where he doesn't, he, he can't do his job like he used to. So I'm in a race of trying to figure out how to take care of us if something happens to him and even if even if he didn't have to even if he didn't have depression and even if he wasn't in beginning in poor health real quickly you never know when how much longer your spouse is going to be there and that's something i try to important uh, in impart in kinsey so much i say you know you can't guarantee that your husband's going to be there you've got to be able to take care of yourself so but i don't want to go get a job and so i've been thinking okay what can i do and part of it is my name was on this land where it wasn't on a lot of the stuff that we had at the time. And I thought my focus is going to be on this land and this camper, and of course, now the house and stuff. But I, I decided to focus on this. And when I found out about YouTube, I thought, well, I don't have any real cute kids because we didn't have Kinsey at the time yet. Because, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what can I sell? What can I do? And my my message does change i think everybody's does for a long time when i did the youtube i just i when when tom and i were dating we were boating camping hunting fishing you know every other weekend we're out doing something and now all we do is work and uh we went backward we almost lost the farm we almost lost a lot of things when his depression was real bad and so I needed to see us moving forward. I mean, if you think about it, if you're going to to the beach every other year to almost losing the farm and living in a camper with no water, I needed to see us moving forward. So I started doing it for that just so I could see progress. But as time goes on and you learn more and stuff like that, I've also learned, and COVID had a lot to do with this too. People were, even when we found out it was okay to get out into the world, a lot of people are still afraid to. And so that's when I started developing the the, the term live until you die. Well, because my husband, he'll go to work and he comes home and sits in front of the television and he doesn't want to live. He wants to watch television. And I, I kind of lost what you had asked me, but because it's kind of morphed and uh, what did you ask? Well, no, just, oh, just the fact that you got into all this tech stuff with the blog and the podcast. Oh, yeah. And, uh, now, I'm just going to take it one step further, because when you became a custody grandma to Kinsey, it sounds like you then went out jogging, uh, you joined the gym or something like it was like. <laughs> yeah, because she was 11 and she she had come from a traumatic thing and i thought you know what i will be there for her i need to be in good physical condi condition and of course she got into sports so i had to keep myself in enough i i played sports in school so i taught her how to play softball i've worked with her on basketball and, and of course she's a lot better she's very talented and she's a lot better than i ever will be but i had made up my mind 
that I would be the one solid rock to the best of my ability that she can cling to if she needed to. And she's blossomed. Oh my gosh. She was a mess when she first, and it's not because of anything I did, honestly. I mean, when, when we first got custody of her, I was talking about the ladies of the church. I'd go crying. I'm going, Oh, I don't know what to do with this. You know, I didn't know what to do in certain situations. And so those ladies helped me so much, you know, and I was really grateful for that. But yeah, I want, I want to be in good physical care. I can't lose the weight. If we go into a famine, this old lady, I'm going to live. <laughs> I'm going to outlive anybody. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, and I mean, if a, if a tick bite lays you low for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you, you got the, the reserves. That's what I always say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting, too, that... I often say that, you know, like, I'm too old. I, I was going to save the world at one point in time. And I do sometimes still say when I rule the world. But it's nice knowing that you have the potential, and hopefully we're fulfilling that potential to be role models, so that the young women yeah. of today realize that, oh, my goodness, you know, like, they might remember their grandmother, their great grandmother, as you know sitting on little white-haired old lady making apple pies or something but no that's not who we are anymore you know no and your grandchildren have your voice all this stuff that you've done and everything they can go back and see that so it is it's a wonderful legacy you know that they if they choose they can go back and check into it you know i've told this story a couple of times but um it was not that long ago that my daughter was reading a story to her two little girls they're three and five and there was a grandma in the story and finally they just sort of pushed the book away and said what are you talking about? That's not grandma, you know, because she was the little old lady. And it was like, yes, good. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I told my, I told my grandkids, I said, y'all call me grandma. I said, but don't ever call me granny because <laughs> I'm not, I, even if I get to be a hundred years old, I don't want to be called granny, but yeah. Well, and Kenzie teases me uh, because uh, she, she gets around her friends. She goes, Hey, G-Ma. And I said, why'd you call me G-Ma? She goes, because it's kind of gangster. Well, my girls, <laughs> okay. when they were teenagers, used to call my mother G-Dog. G-Dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's a lot better than granny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have this saying, and you can use it anytime you want. Of the, This grandma's off her rocker. Oh, I like that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that one, too. Okay, live until you die. Are, are you good with the track you're on, or is there still things you want to do, or... Is there any? Oh, no, I'm just getting started. Oh, my goodness. In fact, I've decided this. Now, you're the first person I've told about this on. Um, Is it a secret? I do. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, I've just kind of recent thing. Whenever I love my work out here, I love doing all the stuff that I do, but it's work and I still need to live, too. So I've decided recently that I'm going to start trying to look into a like a not a passenger van, but a cargo van. And I want to fix it up and where I can travel. Cause I know I can't, I've tried backing trailers. I am the worst <laughs> at backing. I'm the worst. And so I, I thought if I get a cargo van and fix it up, I can drive that. I can back it. I can go forward. I don't have to have, have a trailer or a camp <laughs> or anything like that. And in fact, I told Kenzie, that she's going to graduate in two years. I said, I'm going to do my very best to get us going. And then you and I can take a trip. And uh, we'll just, we're just going to drive. If we want to stop, we stop. If we don't, we don't. And we'll probably, I moved my mom and dad to Florida a few years ago, and I'd like to be able to drive out there and see them and take in some of the beach and stuff too. So I think that'd be a cool senior trip, honestly. But yeah, that's living too. I want to be able to work at home and do my stuff, but I want to be able to go away sometimes too. You and I have so much in common. It's hilarious. <laughs> I tried backing up a boat trailer once. I was in such a foul mood by the time I got it down to the water. It was just like, oh, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> but yeah, I would also yeah. love to do the, the, the van thing and fix it up and yeah, take some trips. That'd be, that'd be good fun. Yeah. People who build those, they need to figure that out because, oh my goodness, like what those vans that you buy that are pretty done, they're like $200,000. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking, no. Yeah, I don't want to do that. And plus they have configurations that I don't need. I want to be able to have something I can edit videos and stuff on you know and just i don't know i'm I'm just getting started on researching 
on how to set up the van the way I want it. But uh, I, I think there's, I don't know. That's, I was going to say, I think there's lots of videos out there because a friend of mine actually did that a couple of years ago. Her and a friend split the cost of a somewhat camperized van. And then they just started yeah. researching, like, how do we get solar power? How do we do this? How do we do that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's cheaper with a friend. I don't know if there's another woman down there that wants to do the same thing. And even if you shared the van or something, but <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it made it a lot more affordable for her. I often say that I'm fortunate enough to just about always land on my feet. Sounds like you're that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you don't land on your feet, what are your options? You got to, you've got to get your feet on it. Cause even if you land on your butt, you've got to get your feet under you as fast as possible. You know, you just, you just have to, there's, I've been through a lot of things in my life back in 98. Uh, I was attacked and uh, I had to play dead four times and uh it was a bad thing and so and there was a lot more to it but that was probably the lowest point in my life but because my two boys were still at home it didn't make any difference what i had been through i still had to get up every day and make sure there was food on the table for my kids you know so that's kind of what you do and you can always look back and you go oh my gosh you've lived through so much you're going yeah but if you put into perspective everything you've been through has prepared you for what you're doing now and whenever you, if you, sometimes it's hard to remember that and put it into that perspective when you're going through it. But when you look back, it has always been something to prepare you for what you're doing now. Well, and I find the older I get to, the more, you know, you sort of put your head down and keep on going and say, this too shall pass. You know, my history proves that this challenge shall pass as well. Yeah. Yeah. Would you recommend homesteading? I think so. I mean, it's not for the, it's not for just anybody, uh, <laughs> you know, I enjoy it. Now I don't, you know, I've, I've got some people that I follow, they do that grounding thing where they go barefoot, man, my feet are so tender. I can't walk across the floor. <laughs> I got to wear shoes wherever I go. But I do think that being surrounded by animals and dirt and everything, it does give you a perspective that helps you keep things you know, in line and gives you time to get your own because, you know, life happens and you got to get your head straight. And even and even when there's things going on animals, there's always a lesson there for you to learn something there. You know, every, every once in a while I say, God, help me learn this lesson so we can get through this. <laughs> <laughs> well, if not, if, I, I'm just going to say if nothing else, it keeps your thoughts outside of your own head. Yeah. Yeah, I like the work. Sometimes it sometimes it gets a little hard, you know, like a 50 when I'm unloading a whole bunch of 50 pound bags of uh, feed. I'm going, oh, man, I'm getting too old for this. (laughs) But I figured I'm going to do it for as long as I can. And and, um, hopefully I'll do it okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, Thesia, most boomer women aren't prepared to take on this whole homesteading challenge right now. But I think your stick with itness, that philosophy, that needs to be shared. What sort of a message do you have for our women listeners right now, the mid-aged women out there? You know what? One of the things that I think has been kind of interesting as my YouTube channel has grown, I have a lot of women who come to me going, you know, I was thinking about doing such and such, but I just felt like I was getting too old. But after I've watched your stuff, I really think that maybe I should go ahead and try it. And that's what, that's cool. You know, the first time we kind of caught you off me a golf guard, but yeah, if I can be an example to people, it's like, just live, you know, uh, don't be afraid to get there. And we all are going to make mistakes and we're going to fall and we're going to do stupid things. And, and I, sometimes I feel a little, little apprehensive because I'm doing stupid things on camera, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I feel like that there are women who, who have had spouses who have died or who are too sick to do things. And, and there's two ladies in our church. One of them, she's she's kind of been running the family for a long time they're both of them their husbands were vietnam vets and the first one he got hurt real bad like 
like almost took half his face off and he's blind and she has taken and, and we're talking about since vietnam days love this woman and her husband and she is the one who gets up every day makes sure that he can see where he's walking and see what he's doing and stuff and uh, she just has a kind soul and another one woman her husband was in vietnam and he has ptsd so she's had to run everything over the years and they run their families with loving care not with well you're the man of the family you should be done they don't do that they are still able to be with their husbands they're still able and still be able to do what needs to be done and they've been an inspiration for me so i think that regardless of what age or what you've been through or something like that i feel like we as women can be just as tough as we need to be we can be just as gentle as we need to be we can be just as loving and kind and whatever we need to be, because I think that's just the way God made us so that we can do what we need to do for this world. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that opportunity. And so many times I sit down and say, Oh God, thank you for the opportunities you put in front of me. And uh, so I, I'm hoping that I am encouraging. And there's another thing too, this Jack Spirko said, he's like, like, what do you do with your dash? What are you doing with your dash? And the dash is the date is the space between when you look at a tombstone, the date that you were born and the date that you die. That dash is all that space of your life. And I don't want to meet God. No, I know I've got a lot to atone for. I know I do. But I don't I don't want to meet God and say, television was pretty cool. <laughs> no. Yeah, I want to, when I meet God, I want to say, you know, I mess up a lot and I'm really sorry, but I really did my best for you. Well, I don't think there's a follow-up comment for <laughs> that advice. That's excellent. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Where do we find you on the World Wide Web? I've got a, a website that I'm still working on to try and get together. It's called grandmashomestead.farm. Uh, my main YouTube channel is Grandma's uh, Homestead and uh my old stuff was Ellis Family Farms. I think you noticed that. I just changed that to uh, Grandma's Homestead a few months ago. I did just start a podcast. That's another story, unfortunately. <laughs> but I was doing chores one morning. And, you know, when you listen, I listen to podcasts all the time. And uh, so they're always sending you things. Oh, you should start your podcast. Nah, nah, I don't know. You know, all of a sudden I'm doing chores one day and it came to my head. Uh, you're going to do a podcast. It's going to be called This Grandma's Life. And this is what you're going to talk about. And I thought, Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's when I started. I started doing this grandma's podcast. It's on YouTube. I do video and audio on it. So it's on YouTube, but it's also on all the podcatchers, you know, Stitcher and iTunes and, and all of them. So uh, you can, if, if you're like me and like to do a lot of audio, then uh, that's good. But if you got the time to sit down and watch it, you can watch it on my YouTube channel too. That's great. Okay. So I put some of the basic links in the show notes, but you have a page on the website and everything's going to be there. All your social media, okay. all that stuff. That's great. Well, listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, and I'm sure you must have some, talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. Share this episode. You may not be up to Thesea's lifestyle, but her attitude, her constitution, her industriousness is an example for all of us at any age. Thesea Ellis, thank you for being my guest today and sharing your, your joie de vivre with us. <laughs> thank you for putting up with me. I actually really had a good time. <laughs> no, it was great. I really appreciate you. Have a great rest of week. You too. Thank you, dear. Thank you.